All right, why don't you crack open your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, your whatever it is that you've got um, to Matthew chapter 6. And if you want to um, stick your finger in Matthew 18, I'll jump over there in just a second. So let me just do a, a super fast recap. This, really for two years, we've been on a journey where our theme has been about taking ground and we have alternated between taking ground in us and taking ground through us, knowing that God and his kingdom taking ground inside us is something that allows us to take more ground outside of us, for God to work through us. And over the last couple of months, we've been a whole lot more intensely focusing on the journey of the heart and the healing of the heart and God taking ground in us. We've had Numerous people, actually most of our church now, as I've said many times, has done Elijah House. We've just done a whole lot of stuff on emotional ability and emotional intelligence. And I know not everyone always talks about everything that's going on in their life, like really publicly, but um, I do talk to a lot of you. And one of the things I know is there is a lot of really cool stuff going on in people's hearts right now. You may not hear it everywhere and you may not have people jumping up the front um, going, God's doing this, but largely because when something's really deep and personal and intimate, it's not always easy to talk about in front of a whole group until a little bit further down the track. But there is, God is doing some really, really cool, amazing stuff um, in, in people's lives all around the place, which just makes me, makes me happy. It's also really messy and untidy and chaotic, um, but that's the kingdom. <laughs> Um, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says, where there's no ox, the manger is clean, but much increase comes with the ox. In other words, um, try and, I mean, yes, it's an animal in a barn, but an ox was a thing of increase. And when the kingdom is increasing, there is a byproduct. It's called mess. It's called snot. It's called the stuff that comes out of the back of an ox. <laughs> um, and, but, and for too long, I think we've had... When I say we, I'm talking very generally, broadly, in the, especially in the Western world and the body of Christ. We've had really clean barns. We've had really clean church, almost clinically so. You can smell the bleach um, and the lack of colour and, uh, and all. But when we really do the heart journey, it gets messy uh, because people unload this stuff and it's actually wonderful and beautiful. Um, if if we have the security and just the, the peace to sit in the middle of someone's mess with them and, you know, as Paul said, to weep with those who are weeping, to laugh with those who are laughing um, and to just be Jesus with skin onto each other, which is a really important thing to do when we're going through getting our broken hearts healed, which no matter how long we've been doing the journey, there's always something else. That's just the awesome thing about living on earth, right? So I want to I make some kind of attempt to bring at least for this year, that, that this part of the journey into land um, in terms of content. I'm going to attempt it. I'm not saying I'm going to succeed, but I'm going to make a vain attempt. Have you ever felt like past events in some way still control your decisions and your actions now? Anyone ever felt that? Or is it just me? Yeah? Ever felt like someone's voice from the past, and I'm talking about a negative voice, is still in your head. And it's like you're fighting it or you're arguing with it in your head, even though they may be nowhere near you. They may be hundreds of kilometres. They may have 
passed away. You know, the, but their voice is still there and in some way is still a reference point to your actions. Even if you're doing the exact opposite of what the voice says, it's still controlling. Like when magnets, what, what do you call that thing? Science, my two science nerds, reverse polarity, whatever it is. When They just repel. But they, those two magnets, when they're repelling each other, still have... <laughs> <laughs> they have a, I know, I know, but as in, that's when you put the plus and the plus together that they, yes. is that what it is? Yes. When the, you put the same polarity together, they repel each other instead of attract each other. No one else really cares, I know, but I find that stuff deeply, deeply fascinating. Anyway, the point is, actually I've completely forgotten the point. Why don't we close in prayer, yeah? No. <laughs> Those... <laughs> No. Yeah, let's take up another offering. Let's do that. All right. None of that was in my notes. Why am I... (laughs) They're still controlling... They have a controlling relationship with each other. They're still influencing each other, even though they're repelling each other. That was the point I was attempting to make, although somewhat poorly. When that negative voice is still in our head, even if we're going, well, I'm going to do the opposite of what that voice says, just to go um, to it, it's still actually controlling me. What I would love to give you tonight is a recipe for cutting the control of that thing. And it involves a word that starts with F. I don't know where you're going. I'm talking about forgiveness. French fries are always helpful, especially with a lot of souls. So let's have a look at Matthew chapter 6 before I digress any further. And if you've been in church a long time, this will be a really, really common. um, And if you grew up in the tradition I grew up in, you will have recited this every week. It's the Lord's Prayer. Um, Verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I want to suggest that's kind of like... I'm not, I'm not going to unpack the whole of the Lord's Prayer. That's not my point right now. Begins with worship and then the prayer is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you've been around us long enough, you would know that that is really the end game of the Father is on earth as it is in heaven. Now, everything else that you see under there until it ends with worship again, because this is a prayer, it begins and ends with worship. And in the middle is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that is it in heaven. And then you see, this is the recipe for heaven touching. Firstly, our provision, then our relationships and then our relationship with evil. So it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us today our daily bread. That's the recipe for heaven in our in provision, in our financial world. And then it says, and forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. I want to suggest that that word forgiveness is the way that heaven comes into earthly relationships. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not perfect. I know it's going to shock some of you, but just calm. I'm not perfect. None of us are. And it means if we are around each other for longer than not a very long amount of time, we're going to hurt each other. We're going to rub each other up the wrong way. We are going to give each other stuff to forgive. But what we, what we see here as Jesus teaches us to pray is 
Forgiveness is the recipe for heaven to invade our earthly relationships. Now, let's jump over to Matthew 18. Just turn right a little bit from where you were. And we're going to go to verse 21. And again, I just want to pull a couple of little bits out of this. And then what I want to talk about is what is the anatomy of forgiveness? Because there is a lot of... um, confusion, I think, misinformation about what forgiveness really is and, and how to do it such that we either resist it because of reasons which I'll talk about in a moment or we don't know how to cooperate with it. So verse 21 of Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 70 times seven. It's like, I'll see your answer and I'll raise you a whole lot. Then he tells the story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him a thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children all he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have showed mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master had handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Let me pull out a couple of things from that um, really briefly. And then I want to unpack what is the anatomy of forgiveness. I want to suggest one of the problems of this servant was that when when the master said, I'm cancelling your debt, it just didn't sink in, just didn't go in. Because he said, give me time, I will pay back all I owe. Master says, all right, I'll cancel your debt. Immediately he goes out. And I want to suggest what he was doing was not just an example of being unforgiving, but he was going out collecting debts so that he could pay the debt back that had already been cancelled. Now, the ridiculousness of it, because this was a debt that no one could pay. Like he was in so far over his head, there was not, not in 10 lifetimes could he pay back the amount that he owed. And he went and collected from someone who owed him the equivalent of somewhere between probably 50 and 100 bucks. It was something... Not particularly significant. And stepping into the realm of forgiveness, I want to suggest there's a humility in this of stepping into forgiveness that that servant didn't quite get because when you have been forgiven a debt that you can't pay, that is an incredibly humbling experience. And if you are not deeply secure in who you are, that will ruin your entire self-image right there because I like to be the one who's in control. I like to know, 
You know, my reputation is intact. I've paid all of my debts. Are we making sense? And yet, it seemed like he could not step into it because he couldn't go low. He struggled to receive. So before we even dive into how well do we, how do we go about forgiveness, the one thing that we've got to get so clear in our head is that our own debt has been ridiculously cancelled. And coming in and into the humility of that gives us the baseline because without that, we will struggle to receive. And when we struggle to receive, we can't give. And I'll talk about this one in a moment, but verse 35, Jesus said, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I think too much of the practice of forgiveness is forgive them from your head. In other words, pray a prayer that says, I forgive them. Now, that's better than not. That, to me, you know, that's often a start where I make a choice. But forgiveness is primarily a thing of the heart, not a thing of the head. And so what I want to unpack is how do we do it from the heart? How do we do it for real? How do we do it with depth such that it actually has power to set us free? Because we also see, um, when we go, if we go back to Matthew 6 for a second, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, verse 14 in Matthew 6, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive, your Father will not forgive. And then you see at the end, the, the servant who would not forgive was handed over to the tormentors. So there is this relationship between forgiveness and freedom and peace unforgiveness and torment. I've watched this in prayer ministry more times than I can tell you. And often, um, often the unforgiveness that we come across isn't this intentional, no, I will not forgive them. It's just, it's just really hard. Um, and too often, I think... Whether it's in prayer ministry, whether it's just with each other as friends, when we're saying, hey, you need to forgive them, it's almost like we expect something to happen, right? Okay, you need to make a choice, just forgive them. But our heart's not ready to because we haven't done proper process of the heart to get there. And that's what I want to unpack a little bit more in just a second. So let's talk firstly about what forgiveness isn't. And this is really important because some of these things are some of the reasons why people resist Forgiving because we have a faulty understanding of what forgiveness is. So number one is forgiveness is not saying it's okay. This is so ridiculously important. Forgiveness actually, by definition, declares something was wrong. Because if it wasn't wrong, there was nothing to forgive. Now, I have three boys, as most of you know, and when you put three boys in a house, every now and then, just from time to time, you know, there's just, you know, Bit of biffo, bit of, bit of kind of, yeah, you know what I mean. And especially when they were younger, they've kind of got the idea, or maybe they do it a little, I don't know. But anyway, when they were younger and there was the whole, all right, let's actually say sorry to each other. And one would say, and we would actually get to the point where they actually were sorry because we didn't like the say sorry when they didn't mean it because all that just 
enforces is go through the formula, do the act, and everything goes away. Don't like that. It's not real. But when there was a genuine sorry, and then the other one would say, that's okay, I would be like a red rag to a bull, jumping in very kindly and going, okay, let's change the language around that. <laughs> Words to that effect, anyway. <laughs> no, don't say that. Um, let's not say that's okay. Let's say, thank you, I forgive you. Because the moment I say that's okay, I'm actually violating my own heart. I'm saying to you, it's okay that you violated me in some kind of way. It's okay that you hurt me. Doesn't matter. That's actually not valuing my own heart at all. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. It actually declares that something is wrong, but it says, I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm going to cancel the debt. More on that one in a second. That makes sense? Yeah? Forgiveness is also not about the other person and whether they're worthy of it or not. Forgiveness actually has really nothing to do with the other person and everything to do with me. I'm going to pick up more of that as we bring it into land. It's like, well, I could forgive anyone but them. Well, it's actually not about them. And this one's a big one. Forgiveness does not equal restoration of trust. This is so critical. I would never lead someone who has been abused to reconcile with their abuser. Lest there was, like, the exception, never say never, the exception would be, you know, some angelic visitation that was so out there and so unmistakable that this has to be God. As a general principle, when someone has shown themselves to be an unsafe person, you don't lead someone back to an unsafe person. That's, that's what we often technically call really dumb. <laughs> technically call that. Forgiveness does not equal restoration of trust. Forgiveness does equal cancelling the debt. It doesn't equal restoration of trust. Trust is given when you treat the level of access to my heart that I've given you well, then I can give you more. If you don't treat the level of access I've given you to my heart well, then I remove you out to a place where you can handle. Which may be over there near the kitchen or it may be way over there with Isis and Charlie Sheen. Not a particularly safe person, just in case you're wondering. For some reason, he's still stuck in my head as a... Random, yeah. Trust, trust only gets built when someone treats the level of access that they have to my heart well. They are, trust and forgiveness are completely, completely separate issues. Have we got that? Because I've watched people resist forgiving because, well, if I forgive them, then I have to let them into my life again. No, 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 no. Repeat after me. No. Okay, good. So let's talk about what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is setting you free. Forgiveness is breaking the control of that person or that event. Many of you may have heard me tell this story before, but it just illustrates the, the point so powerfully. And I don't know how much of this story is... I, I know that this story in some way started with a true story, and I can't guarantee you how it's morphed over time, but you'll get the point, and it illustrates the point well. And as the story goes, a woman was walking home from work, from work across Central Park in New York, pretty big place, um, was walking home after dark, and... 
As she walked home, someone came out um, from the dark, attacked her, raped her, violently abused her, um, and just about left her to die. She survives. She's taken to hospital. And in the days following, she's, she's in hospital and... The medical staff and even her family around her notice that she seems to be recovering from this way better than she should and are actually worried that she's in a bit of denial, that she's not quite aware. Maybe, you know, she had a traumatic brain injury. Maybe something happened that means she's not actually aware of what happened to her. And so finally someone actually quizzed her and said, you seem to be doing kind of a whole lot better than most people that have gone through what you've gone through. Are are you aware of what happened? And she's like, I'm very aware of what happened. I know exactly what happened. She was able quite well to describe it. And then they said, so how is it that you're doing seemingly so well? There's this peace on you and you, you, you seem to be doing okay. And, um, and she said, oh, that answer's easy. I've forgiven him. And they're like, what do you mean you've forgiven him? Like, how could, like do you understand what he did to you? How can you just forgive him? And her answer was one of the most powerful statements I've ever heard. And that is, that man took one night of my life, not letting him take any more. That is the power of forgiveness. It breaks the control of that event or of that person over my life. I might not be able to get that day back, but I can have these days. So forgiveness is breaking the control. Forgiveness is cancelling the debt. Now, here's the thing. When I talk about cancelling the debt, what I mean is I'm essentially saying, I may not necessarily say it actually to the person, but I'm saying, you owe me nothing. I require nothing from you. I don't even require an apology from you. I don't require any kind of recompense. I don't require getting even. I don't require justice. I actually let that go. Because often this driving need for justice, for a, right, for a wrong to be righted, actually eats us up. Doesn't do much toward the cause either. It just eats us up. Now, if you're married or in a family or have any kind of relationship with any person at all, yeah, I think I covered everyone. What forgiveness also means, and a whole lot of you are really going to hate me for saying this or throw rotten tomatoes, either way, go ahead. You're actually giving up the right to use that thing as evidence in your next argument. See, forgiveness restores the standard. When, when something is... When someone hurts someone, there's a standard of relationship, of honour, of respect. Something was broken there. But when there is ownership of that and forgiveness released, it restores the standard. And it also means from this moment on, I can never use what you did to justify my (sighs) behaviour. Dang. Tomatoes ready. (coughs) Commence. So forgiveness is cancelling the debt. It is cancelling the right to get even. It's letting go of the need for justice. Now, I want to say really clearly, 
if something illegal has happened to you, this doesn't mean you don't report it. Okay? This is, this is, this is kind of important. Forgiveness and legal issues are two separate things. When someone breaks the law, it is the job of the law to deal with that. That's that issue. Then the condition of my own heart, that's my issue. But those two are two very separate things. Yeah? (laughs) You would never hear, and I've heard it too many times in church circles, so I'm just going to say this and then I'm going to move on. I've heard too many times people have counseled a woman to go back to an abusive husband and say, you need to forgive them and you need to go back. No, you don't. That is unsafe. That is bad advice. That is bad wisdom. And that may give some of you someone else to forgive. Um, There is a legal issue and there is a heart issue. It's the law's job to deal with the legal issue. That's that's, That's not my job. That doesn't mean I don't report. We do. We clear on that? Okay. Because, again, I've seen too much dysfunction, well-meaning, well-intentioned, but dysfunctional nonetheless that throws people back into, into toxic and sometimes dangerous situations. All right. Mentioned this earlier, but forgiveness is a thing of the heart. It's not just a thing of the will. Yes, it begins with an act of the will. So the act of the will says, I'm going to make a choice to walk in forgiveness towards this person around that thing. It must begin there. But that begins a process where, it's, where it actually comes from my heart. And sometimes my heart is ready and sometimes my heart is not. Which leads, if you're writing down line by line, the next one is that forgiveness is a process, not just an event. Now, sometimes God does something really, really powerful in a moment and gives you this grace to just forgive. And as you do, it's like this, it just lifted off me. Other times, it's, it's a journey. It's a process. One of my more significant people in my world, one of my, um, if you like, nemeses from several lives ago, I'm not talking reincarnate, like from several kind of careers, jobs ago, um, that took a couple of years for me. There was constant decisions all along the way, and there were moments where like, okay, I think it's done now. And then lo and behold, a couple of months later, whoa, up comes this really powerful emotion of anger or of bitterness or of whatever. I'm like, okay, I thought that was done. Still more work to do. So it is a process. There are a series of decisions along the way, but it is a process more than an event. So forgiveness, it is setting yourself free. It's not about the other person. It is breaking the control. It's cancelling the debt. It's letting go of the right to use it to justify my behaviour or use as evidence in our next argument. It's a thing of the heart, not just the will, and it's a process more than an event. Now, how the heck do we do this? There's some keys that I have seen over the years that make the difference between cognitively believing and taking it by faith that I've forgiven them and genuinely experiencing the freedom that comes from real forgiveness. Did, did I say that right? Did that make sense? Yeah. It felt clear in my head. I'm just not always sure if it's as clear coming out my mouth. So I'm going to give you a couple of steps around how to do this, and then I want to make sure um, we bring in the stuff around the heart. 
So number one, we actually need to name the person and we need to name the event or action that they did that we are forgiving them for. Now, if the forgiveness is a thing that's gone over years, because yeah, it'd be nice and tidy if everything we ever forgave someone for was just one event here, one event there, and that was about it. But more often than not, you know, if you've grown up in a dysfunctional or abusive home, this is, there's 20 years of stuff. And I, I have watched the Holy Spirit just go, right, let's take this chunk and go, and let's heal that moment right then and there. And I, you know, I watch him do that. Like, yes, there are principles in the kingdom, but then there's the power of the Holy Spirit that yeah. tends to go further, deeper, higher. Um, but naming the person, name the event or action, and then name and describe the impact of that event on you, on your emotions, on your well-being, on your life. In what way did that event damage you? And it may be, you know, it just really annoyed me. <laughs> or it may be, I feel like it's ruined my life up until this point and derailed my whole life. And anywhere in between. And then declare, I forgive them, I cancel the debt, and I release them from my judgment of them. I judge them as incompetent. I judge them as cruel. I judge them as, you know, insert whatever word here. And those of you who have done Elijah House, we've done a lot of work on bitter root judgments and bitter root expectations. That's the stuff I'm talking about. Now, the reason I go through, name the person, name the event, name the impact, and then specifically declare forgiveness. I've watched the difference between just a general blanket forgiveness, just going, okay, God, I forgive them, as distinct from going through it step by step. I literally have watched inflammation and pain leave a person's body as they go through the specific process of forgiveness, like in an instant. I was praying for someone on a prayer line. I was speaking at another church going back a number of years. And I can't remember what I'd spoken into you, but I remember this moment so crystal clear. And he had come up and it was a man somewhere around his mid-60s. And I think we were praying for physical healing at the time, and I said, tell me your story. And he's like, oh, I've, I've had a rough life. And I'm kind of almost saying it with a grin, which is not <laughs> representing accurately what, um, what he said. And, yeah, and, and he looked like life had not been particularly kind to him. He looked tired. Um, and I said, tell me some of your story. He goes, oh, my father was a very, very cruel man and, you know, um, particularly talked about by the time he'd got to age 29, 30, the relationship between two of them was just deeply dysfunctional and his father always just put him down and told him how worthless and useless he was and that was his life story. And he said to me, but in recent years, my dad and I have actually reconciled and I've forgiven him. And I'm like okay, that's really cool. I said, what else, what's happening in your body? He says, I'm riddled with inflammation and arthritis from head to toe. Now, one of the things I've learned from praying for people for healing is when you have inflammation in your body, it's usually a sign of anger directed outwards. When you've got decaying bones, it's usually anger directed inwards. When you've got inflammation, it's anger directed outwards because anger's like hot, you know, flame. Yeah, everything gets inflamed. So as it is in my soul or my heart, so is it in my body. So I thought, well, if the forgiveness had been really deep, I suspect that 
you'd be experiencing some different things in your body. So I said, um, and it's like the spirit just gave me this insight in this moment. And I said, okay, so the however old he was, 65, however year, year old you has forgiven your dad. What about the 29 year old you? And he almost kind of fell over backwards at that moment and went, oh, and it was just like God opened his eyes. And because God wanted to minister to that 29-year-old that was just really, really messed up and deeply angry at his father. And so I said, all right, I'm going to pray for you. And here's what I want to do. I want to speak to that 29, 30-year-old like your father should have, but for whatever reason was unable to do. And... So I just laid my hands on him and I just started to speak worth into him. I just started to speak prophetically into his identity and into his destiny and started to affirm him as a man and affirm his strength. And he just like melted like the Wicked Witch on The Wizard of Oz, you know, into this, <laughs> this kind of puddle, but not in a good way. <laughs> um, and instantly, and in that process, he was able to somehow connect back to that 29, 30-year-old and express forgiveness from there very specifically. And in an instant, from about here down, and he, like he was struggling to walk, he was in pain walking, from about here down, all the inflammation left his body instantly, just like that. He was a tad flipped out by that. Um, this was in the morning when he came back at night. Um, I said, how are you doing? He's like, I am still coming to terms with everything that is happening in me. This is overwhelming but in a good way because there was this really really deep peace it took the specific surgical precision of forgiveness to set him free now does this mean we have to be um I can't find another word other than anal you know what I mean like really um detailed like perfectionistic around it I don't think so, but I think there is a precision that the Holy Spirit leads us to that actually unlocks our hearts and, and enables forgiveness to go to a really deep level. I want to suggest that forgiveness can only go as deep as the level of emotion that we have engaged. This is where forgiveness is a thing of the heart. Many of you probably heard me talk about this before, but... I think, again, in the church, we've used the, the terminology of forgiveness as a form of an emotional denial and suppression. We do this cognitive, well, I've forgiven them thing, and I'm still all twisted and contorted and, <laughs> and all. It's like, man, you look like you sat on something really uncomfortable. It doesn't look like you've forgiven. <laughs> and um, it's because when I suppress emotion... I've just put a lid on the level to which healing can go. I can, I, I've learned this over 20 years. If you can only forgive to the level that you have engaged with the emotion of that event. So as I let layers out, and this was what was happening for me with this guy that I had to forgive um, from many, many years ago, was I forgave at the level that I was aware at the time. But as I kept walking the journey, there were levels of pain that I was unaware of. And so that meant I had to forgive at a new level. But I could only do that as I became aware of the level of pain. The cool thing is, the end of that story 
is that after a number of years, and, and there were a number of key events and lots and lots of processes, um, one of the things that I noticed happened, because previously, if this guy would show up in my dreams, boy, would I let him have it. <laughs> you know that, those things where you wish, like, I could be completely unfiltered and just say exactly what I think and just let him have it? My dreams changed. And any time he appeared in my dream, I was actually really affectionate. I was actually really happy to see him. That was kind of one of the signs that I knew things had shifted. And then in more recent years, if I happen to be somewhere where we are in the same circle, I actually feel excited to see him, which is bizarre. (laughs) Um, But such is the level of healing that can come when forgiveness actually is engaged with the emotions. So if you tend to suppress or deny emotion, you will tend to struggle with real forgiveness. And all of the journey we've been on over the last couple of months is all about getting that stuff to the surface, but then letting forgiveness go really, really deep. Sometimes we have to be honest and listen to our own heart and go, I'm not ready to forgive that person of that yet. And in a community, this is the mess we've got to learn to live with. We've got to be able to live with each other in process, not in perfection. And to be able to say, okay, is your heart ready to forgive that person? Ooh, not yet. I'm not there yet. Okay, what do you need to help you move forward? And usually it's, I need to get the emotion that's in me out of me. I need to give expression to that pain. And then as I give expression, I can let it go and say, I forgive. Really little practical thing, and then I'm going to bring this into land. Um, again, I've seen this happen a few too many times, and we get this thing, you know, we start talking about forgiveness, and then people start going up to random other people and just start going, oh, I forgive you for this, and start getting really specific. And this is the first time the other person's heard about it? No, not, not healthy. Not healthy. In fact... The other person doesn't always need to know that I've forgiven them. It's actually not about them. It's actually about me. It's not about them at all. They may see it show up in, a, in the, I behave differently toward them. But yeah, if I was to go up to Rex and go, Rex, I just want you to know I've forgiven you for the way that, uh, the way that you just left me out hanging out to dry in that conversation last week. Now, this is obviously hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rex didn't even know that he did that. And in fact, we haven't even had a conversation. So it's quite possible that my perception of the event was clouded by my own rejection issues, by my own bad mood or insecurity that I was feeling that day. And how I perceive the event is actually nothing to do with what happened. (laughs) Healthy looks like, hey, can we talk about what happened last week? Thank you. Yeah. Let's talk that through and let me work out whether there actually is something to forgive or whether I need to go and <laughs> actually get some ministry myself. Does that make sense? So we don't always need to go to the person and say, hey, I've forgiven you. The time where that is really appropriate is someone comes to us and says, hey, I need to own this and I'm asking you, will you forgive me? That, of course, is the time to express that um, if that's where you're at. Does that make sense? Okay, so how long do you keep forgiving for? So Jesus answered this question. So Peter says, how many times do I forgive? Seven times? 
And Jesus says, not seven, but 70 times seven. Now, what I don't think Jesus was doing here was going, 490 times you need to forgive them, but when they get to 491, you can let them have it. (laughs) Because love keeps no record of wrong. So if I'm actually walking in love, I'm not keeping a record anyway, so I won't know when I get to 491. Peter's saying, is this the standard? And Jesus is saying, let me take your standard square it, then multiply it by 10, and let's just start there. My answer is, how long do I have to keep forgiving until it stops hurting? Is the simplest answer. I keep forgiving until it stops hurting. I knew that I'd forgiven that guy from my past world when my heart actually started to feel warm and compassionate toward him. My heart had changed. I didn't have to go, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that about him anymore because it had changed down here. It wasn't just trying to bring my thoughts under control. It was my thoughts had changed. So we keep forgive until it stops hurting. For some of us, the most important person you need to forgive is actually yourself. Shame. Shame is the enemy of all that is good. And especially in Australia, we are so good at beating the hell out of ourselves. About reminding ourselves of everything that we've done wrong, about reminding ourselves where we fall short. And sometimes in the church, it's even worse and it's not meant to be the case because the cross took care of all of that. More and more I'm seeing, whether it's in church circles or whether I'm working with people in the corporate world, the ability to show compassion to oneself is one of the most foundational, I call it skills, security anchors, that all of us need. If we, the inability to forgive ourselves actually wars against love. So Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, the size of your love for yourself dictates the size of love that you can live out. And if our mission is to show the world what love really is, the ability to forgive ourselves, to let ourselves off the hook, massive deal. The process is just the same. It looks like repentance in some times because when I have screwed up, There is a process of repentance there. But naming what I did, naming the impact that it had on others around me, naming the impact that it's had on me, and then saying, okay, Jesus, in your presence, I choose to forgive myself and I let go of my judgment of myself. See, too many of us are carrying around so many historical judgments of ourselves. And you know what? None of us are perfect. And that's okay. When we can't forgive, we give away our power. So I started by saying, have you ever felt like another person, another event is still controlling your decisions and your actions now? And if the answer to that is yes, that is telling you, it's like a warning light on the dashboard. We've been talking about that a whole lot the last few weeks, saying forgiveness here. Here's where it's needed. But everything we've talked about in terms of the heart journey 
is part of that process. Getting honest with my own heart, letting my heart, letting my emotions talk. And then forgiveness is the process of me being able to let that go. It was Nelson Mandela, I believe, who was quoted with the statement that said, to not forgive is to drink poison and wait for the other person to die. It's not about them. It's not about them. Let's stand. So what I want to pray over us is a unique grace for forgiveness because this is, it's the final piece of the puzzle of the heart journey that we haven't dived deep into. We've talked a lot about the processing, a lot about the being able to name the emotions, being able to let those emotions tell their story, to, to come out of suppression and denial. But the finishing process of that is the journey of healing and wholeness culminates when we can forgive those who have hurt us. And I've seen it in other places, well, if you've got someone to forgive, come down the front now. And, and I'm not going to do that because this is a process. It's not just an event. But I want to pray grace over you for the process and to give you permission to be real. If it didn't hurt... It'd be easy. But the reason you need to forgive is because it hurt. And therefore, the need to be real with your own heart. So, Father, I want to ask over every single one of us here in this room, everyone who listens to this on the podcast, everyone who is a part of our community, God, I want to release right now an unusual grace for forgiveness. So freely we have been given forgiveness. God, your blood has washed us clean. You have forgiven us a debt that we could never, ever repay in 10, 100, 1,000 lifetimes. And as a simple step, and if you feel in your heart to do this, all I'm just going to ask you, just take a physical step forward we want to step into that spirit of forgiveness. We want to step into that realm of forgiveness where we can accept that humbly you have forgiven us. And we step into that same spirit. And in doing so, we cancel the right of any torment of heart and of mind. Anyone in this room has been battling mental illness um, or, or um, uncontrollable thoughts that is to do with past pain. God, in the name of Jesus, we bind that trauma and torment right now. In the name of Jesus, we command that onslaught of the enemy to stop. And we just call you in to a spirit of forgiveness and give you permission to do that journey as you're ready, but to be covered by the blood and by the protection and power of Jesus while you're on that journey. We bring you in under grace right now. Father, I want to thank you for the way that you are opening and unlocking hearts. I want to thank you for the healing work that you are doing in so many right now. 
I bless that. I thank you that you who began a good work will see it through to completion. Thank you that you're more committed to our healing and wholeness than we are. We just release grace for forgiveness to go deep so that freedom and healing can go deep. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.